Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Manchester United are out of the Champions League. It's another trophyless season at Old Trafford as Atletico Madrid booked their place in the quarterfinals of the competition at United's expense. Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane, Fernandez, they've got some top-class players, but it isn't clicking. Just how much work is there to be done to get Manchester United back where they need to be? We'll discuss the fallout from last night's tie, as well as looking ahead to tonight's test for Chelsea, who are away in Lille. Tuchel may have won praise for how he's dealt with the Blues' current predicament, but the club embarrassed themselves yesterday with a statement asking for their cup game with Middlesbrough to be played behind closed doors. Just a reminder, that game was away at Middlesbrough. Chelsea's cheek was called into question, and we'll get stuck into that too on today's episode of Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social. Not only that, but there's a crunch clash at the top of the table in the Premier League tonight as fourth-placed Arsenal will look to add to their advantage in the chase for the top four. But they face Liverpool, who are hot on the heels of Manchester City, the citizens dropping points at Palace earlier this week to really heat up that title race. My name's Niall, and alongside me on today's episode of Football Social Daily, Matt Pidd and Marley Anderson. Morning, boys. Good morning. Hello. Yeah, all good here. Yeah, not too, uh, not too bad this morning. Good stuff. All right, let's get straight into it then, because there is loads to get through on today's episode of the podcast. The only real place to start is at Old Trafford and the game last night between Manchester United and Atletico Madrid. The Spanish side won the game by a goal to nil, which means 2-1 on aggregate. United out of the Champions League and they won't win a trophy this season. As I say, 2-1 on aggregate. Matt, that was the end result. Do you think that was a fair reflection of the tie on the whole? Yeah, when you look at both ties back-to-back, Atletico definitely deserved it on the night. Um Seen a shocking start last night, and I, I couldn't believe this was true actually when I, when I first read it. Since David Moyes was in charge of United, they've won zero Champions League knockout ties and have only scored one goal in them in that time, which was a Lukaku consolation goal against Sevilla a couple of years ago. You know, I know they've had a couple of Europa League campaigns in between them, but still, you know, considering over a billion has been spent since Fergie left in 2013, that's absolutely shocking. That's at Old Trafford, right? Yeah, it's, it's at Old Trafford, yeah, yeah. Um, but poor long-term planning and poor investment in and out of the squad is to blame for where I'm looking. You know, it's the most expensive team ever assembled in English football last night and has only ever... And there's only been six major trophies won in the last 10 years. You know, it's simply not good enough for a club of United stature and profile. I mean, the problem is, though, with the position they're in right now, it could get worse before it gets better. I mean, they're fighting for top four, but 
with an Arsenal team who have three games in hand in them and who look better than they do on the pitch right now. Um, and they've got to play against Liverpool tonight, obviously Arsenal, which is going to be you know a huge test for them. But if United don't make top four this season, how can they attract the best players or the elite coaches that can take them forward? You know, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. You know, the top four is the minimum required for them right now, but it's also their main priority as well. But with them having another another trophy this season, you know, it's um, it's going to it's going to be very difficult for the players to pick themselves up after this because you seen them last night. They looked they looked dejected. Um, the um, pundits in the studio, Ferdinand, Scholes, Hargreaves, they was all dejected as well. And it really doesn't it does not look good for United going forward. Now they just have to take it one game at a time. Now. Um, Ranić's got till the end of the season to to pick the players up. Um, they need players like Ronaldo to step up because obviously we've seen the game against Tottenham. He was obviously he was outstanding. He was at his brilliant best. But when you've got a team like Atletico Madrid that he had a very good record against up until last night, he played um, a few games from against Real Madrid, a couple of games um, for the Juventus, scored a hat trick against them last time out. I expected him to turn up last night at Old Trafford under the lights. There was a lot riding on it. Um, but no, it just it just didn't happen for them, and they've just they've got a lot of um, they've they've got a lot of problems at the moment uh, in the squad. So they really just need to just fix themselves up, dust themselves down, and uh, and just plod on now for the rest of the season. Well, you talk about that Arsenal against Liverpool game in the Premier League tonight. We'll come on to that a little bit later on in the podcast. But those two teams are actually very interesting to compare Manchester United to. If you compare them to Liverpool, and this will hurt and sting Manchester United fans. They're miles away from Liverpool at the moment. They've still got to play Liverpool in the Premier League away at Anfield. That game will be coming up very, very soon. And then contrast them with Arsenal, who are a side who have been a laughing stock for some Mali. When Arteta first went in there, a lot of people were saying, well, what qualifies him to manage Arsenal Football Club, a giant of a club in this country, considering he's only ever been an assistant manager. It's his first job in the game. But yet they've taken so many cuts and bruises, Arsenal, along the way. So many bumps and burns. But that being said, they've kind of stomached all of that. They've swallowed it. They've taken it on the chin. And now they look like in a really good position to press into the top four. So actually what Matt says with Manchester United, it might get worse before it gets better. Do you only need to look at those two teams that I've mentioned, Arsenal and Liverpool, particularly Arsenal, to to, to realise that that is often the case in football? Yeah, um, probably. You know, I think... Arsenal are a good example of of um, cutting the dead wood and getting rid of them and starting again and making big decisions. You know, you think of Aubameyang going, um, you think of uh, David Luiz and Willian getting binned off. You know, a year into their into their um, deals that they've just been given, um, the likes of Smith Rowe, Saka, and Martinelli getting trusted week in week out, and and adding to that with like Odegaard and White and Ramsdale and backing yourself in the transfer market. Arsenal have have done what Man United probably need to do, but having said that, I do think Man United are um, in a in a stronger position than Arsenal at, were when they started this sort of process, because um, they do have they they still have a quality team. They only need a couple of a couple of signings, and more importantly, a manager to knit them all together. Because like the the management and the tactics haven't been good enough. Um, last night was. Last last night was a joke, I think, from Rangnick, to be fair. Um, taking Bruno Fernandes off is strange when you need a goal in a Champions League game because he can smack one in from 30 yards. He's, what, he's someone who will not hide from from anything. So unless he was injured and, and we just didn't know, um, taking him off and putting Pogba on, I thought, if you're 1-0 down in a Champions League last 16 game, can you not get them both on the pitch at the same time? 
Um, and then with 10 minutes to go, it, it was panic stations. He brought Matic and Matter on. I mean, I, I, can't, I don't even know the last time Juan Matter kicked a ball for Man United. Never mind. I forgot he still played for him until he turned up on the pitch. It's, it's madness. Like, why why you then turn into a 36-year-old Juan Matter who doesn't get in your squad every week and doesn't get in your team um, to, to bail you out or to try and do something in a Champions League knockout game? It's... It's an absolute, um, it's a joke. It's all backwards, to be honest, from from Man United. And I thought they got exactly what they deserved from the tie, um, which was nothing because they were nowhere near good enough. And I think if they went through somehow, if they'd they'd scraped a late winner and won it on penalties or something, all it would do was was paper over more cracks because they, they weren't good enough to beat Atletico over the two games. And you can say... Yeah, Man United were, you know, the referee wasn't great and and um, and things like that, and you know, but it's it's irrelevant really because you weren't good enough to beat Atletico Madrid. They they you know what they're gonna do, you know what you have to do to beat them. You know you're gonna have to play hard and and sort of do these dark art a bit. I think they played well in the first half, and I'm actually gonna stick up for Rangnick here. I know you're um you're kind of a bit confused as to why he. He took Fernandes off, but in general, his substitutions since he's taken charge of Manchester United have been excellent. I think the goals that have been scored, particularly in the Premier League, by subs that he's introduced, I don't think any side have had more substitute goal scorers this season. Um, so I think in terms of his substitutions, normally he gets it um, spot on. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was someone who was criticised for his substitutions as well, particularly towards the end of his time at Manchester United. But I can understand um, why you would be uh, confused about that. In terms of the actual game, you mentioned a poor referee in performance, Marley. Uh, were United hard done by with the Atletico goal, Matt? Should the goal have counted? Alanga allegedly fouled in the build-up. What's your take? Well, he seemed to go down in, in stages after the initial contact. So, I mean, you can understand the referee not giving it. It's it's all about split-second decision. Obviously, VAR didn't see anything wrong with it neither. So, you, you can blame that all you want, but like we were just saying, then over the two legs, United just weren't good enough. You can't you can't sit there now as a Man United fan and blame that that one moment on the whole tie itself. United had chances. Or Black made some decent saves, but the problem with United that's been for for a while now, they play in moments like you're saying they had a good first half. I mean, they had a good half an hour against Man City, and then they got turned over. You can't turn up in a, a match against teams like Atletico Madrid, like Man City, and just only play for half an hour, 45 minutes. You have to be consistent for the 90 minutes. You have to work for each other. You have to be concentrating. And that's just where United just seem to be lacking right now. They just seem to lose concentration and just seem to do daft things that just like right before half time, the worst thing you can do is concede right before half time in games like that that have got a lot riding on it. And against a team like Atletico Madrid, that you know when you go 1 0 down, you're going to find it very, very hard to come back into that game. Because, like Marley was saying, they are the masters in the dark arts. They will do everything to frustrate you and to keep you away from their goal. And that's exactly what they did last night. And United, like you said, fell into all the traps. They were naive tactically. And obviously, Ragnik tried different things to try and help the tie in his favour, but it didn't happen. So ultimately, United only have themselves to blame. You can you can say that the refereeing um, was a bit shocking and it was inconsistent, mm. but that you seem to be talking about that quite a lot in European football. I've seen it in a lot of Champions League ties. It's different than the Premier League. The referees are a lot different. They don't let as much go. So United only have to really sit and sit at themselves and look at themselves in the mirror and blame themselves for what what happened. Well, Manchester United are out of the Champions League. There is no trophy heading to Old Trafford. That is now five years without a trophy. And I think there's a statistic going around that that's Cristiano Ronaldo's first trophyless season in 16 campaigns, something like that. 
but that was the final score last night. 1-0 to Atletico Madrid. Manchester United are out. What will happen to Chelsea? We don't know their fate just yet. They take on Lille tonight in the competition. We'll talk about that game next after this, as well as their surprise statement yesterday. We'll talk about it next. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. I'm Niall. I've got Matt and Marley alongside me and we want to talk about Chelsea. They've dominated the headlines, not only on this podcast, but in the news in general, particularly considering the sanctions imposed by the UK government on their Russian oligarch owner, Roman Abramovich. Now, I think that the players and the manager in particular, Thomas Tuchel, deserve some credit for the bullish nature and the way that they've dealt with this situation because it can't have been easy with everything that's been going on around the club at the moment. But yesterday, Chelsea released a statement. They asked the FA if their FA Cup tie away at Middlesbrough's Riverside Stadium could be played behind closed doors for reasons they described as sporting integrity. Now, that notion was laughed out of town by most of football yesterday. Is that something that you would agree with, Marley, in terms of shutting it down pretty quick? Because it it seems ironic for Chelsea to be talking about sporting integrity, considering they were one of the six sides who were part of the European Super League. (laughs) Yeah, um, and it's not just the Super League thing. It's the the last, you know, month of, of... Stuff that's happened, you know. How can you talk about sporting integrity when you, when your owner is being sanctioned for for financing a war in the uh, in Eastern Europe? It's it's absolute madness. Um, I I couldn't believe it when I when I read it. I was like, what? Like, what am I? What am I reading here? Because where does this? Like, why has this even been published? Like, who's published it? It's almost like someone from the marketing department's like, like wrote it as a joke. And then somebody else has seen it and gone, "Oh, we're releasing this. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll 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 publish it on the website." It's just ridiculous. Like, how can you? Like, what grounds have you got for for saying, "Well, we've got no fans, so nobody should have any fans." I mean, especially. And then I thought as well. I actually thought it was at Stamford Bridge at first, and that's why they were asking. Um, and they were sort of claiming on security costs and, and stuff like that. Um, but then I was like, I'm sure it's not at Stamford Bridge. I'm sure it's at Middlesbrough. And then obviously I, I Google it and I was like, yep, Middlesbrough. What if, what grounds have Chelsea got to, to ask for this? But I'm glad uh, Middlesbrough responded quickly and, and pretty savagely. And then uh, then I'm glad Chelsea said they were going to uh, retract it after after everything. Yeah, they withdrew the statement, didn't they? they? They withdrew the statement. And as you rightly point out, Middlesbrough responded with a statement of their own. We'll come on to that shortly, but... Does it just show how much disarray there is at Stamford Bridge right now, Matt, that you've got Thomas Tuchel and Kai Havertz coming out and saying, you know, they'll drive to this Champions League game uh, at Lille tonight if they have to. They'll pay for it out of their own pockets if they have to. And they'll get the coach up to Middlesbrough and it's no problem. As long as Chelsea have a team, they'll be at the games. And then on the same day that you hear the manager saying that, you see a statement from the club asking for the game to be played behind closed doors when it's not even at Chelsea's ground. It's just a, a strange one for me. It, it shows how much of a disconnect there is between the powers that are running the club at the moment or those that are overseeing the operation at Chelsea and actually those that are, are the face of the club in terms of the players and the manager. Yeah, um, the powers that be are making it very hard for football fans like us to be sympathetic of the situation. Look, 
way too close handled um, his press conferences and the questions that have been thrown at me. He's, he's been admirable. He's been nothing but humble in his answers and he's shown humanity and humility as well in his answers. And, you know, the players as well, they've, they've stuck together and that's the way it should be. When everything seems to be going against you, it should be like a siege mentality, like us versus the world kind of thing. And I'm sure that the players and Tuchel himself would have read that statement from the club asking for it to be played behind closed doors and would have been embarrassed because it's nothing to do with them. They've had, they've not gone forward and said, look, can you ask Middlesbrough to do this for us as a favour? Like, no, they've not done that. It's the club. It would have been totally unfair on yeah, Middlesbrough. It's nothing exactly. to do with them. And, you know, it's their moment, isn't it? They, they've reached the later stages of the FA Cup. They've knocked out... Yeah. Tottenham, they've knocked out Manchester United. Who's to say they won't do it to Chelsea as well? And, you know, having, having a full house at the Riverside Stadium, they would have made a decent payday on tickets and TV broadcast. Who are Chelsea to take that away from Middlesbrough? Exactly. I think it's just a, a tactic purely by the club to try and get the, cover, the government to ease the restrictions on them, ease the sanctions on them, because this shows just how desperate they are for them to be lifted. I think it's just basically a ploy for them to, to basically just say to the club, like, you know, to the government, yeah, just... Can we just like you know ease it a little bit? Obviously, we know the situation that we're in. Could you give us a bit of leeway? That's the only reason I can think of that they have done this because otherwise, like Marley said, like it seems like a joke. See, it seems like a joke. That's how ridiculous it sounded. And obviously, Middlesbrough responded, you know, quickly and brutally, which you know I expected them to do anyway. That is the only reason why I think Chelsea have said that is today is to try and make a bit of a ploy, a bit of a tactic sort of thing against the government. That's the only reason why I can think. I think they've got 600 tickets sold, I think, out of 4,600 they got allocated. So, I mean, they've, they've got 600 fans there, apparently, and apparently they was willing to give the rest of the 4,000 away for free. That's how desperate they was in that situation. So it just goes to show you just how deep they are in it right now. And when you've got players like Kai Havertz saying he's willing to front the money to, to sort the travel out, and Thomas Tuchel saying he's willing to drive a minibus you know to France that just shows you the desperation of the situation at the moment but the way it's being handled on the pitch which is where it's most important right now for Chelsea it's like nothing's happening they're still putting the performances in obviously the scrapes through against Newcastle obviously Marley will have his own opinions about that game because Chelsea were very lucky not to um, give a penalty away in that game could have been very very different for them Newcastle give them a good game but they seem to be getting the job done where it matters most at the moment Chelsea and the players seem together and there's a unity between um, coach and, and team which is what is important for Chelsea Football Club right now yeah we'll come on to tonight's match in the Champions League with Lille shortly but first Marley Matt's right to pinpoint the amount of tickets I think it's 3,200 tickets that were meant for Chelsea fans have been returned to Middlesbrough and they'll now be snapped up by the Borough supporters due to the government sanctions on the Blues, which means they aren't able to sell tickets. So it will be solely a home crowd. My first question is, should Chelsea have been allowed to give those tickets away for free if they were that bothered about having you know, a non-partisan crowd and sporting integrity? Surely they should have just been allowed to give those tickets out for free. We don't know whether that's actually allowed within the, the operational licence that Chelsea have been given. But let's just say, for argument's sake, should they have been able to do that? And secondly... Yes, it's unusual to have a solely home crowd. For want of a better term, is it just tough for Chelsea that they can't have away fans at the moment? <laughs> uh, I yeah, I think so. Um, all this, oh, can we can we give them away for free and can we do this? Well, not really, because you're being sanctioned as a club and you're being punished as a club, and and unfortunately, part of the club's, you know, part of the club is is fans, you know. Um, so this is this is where it comes from. I think this will be probably the last game where they have any fans at all you know the 600 fans going to Middlesbrough 
um, have already bought the tickets, and I think the uh, the the well, the, actually, the only the only fans they'll have in future is season ticket holders at, at, at home games, which I forgot about them. But even that's you know what a quarter of the capacity or something tops. So yeah, this is this is this is the the decision that's been made. You know, the sanctions do whether you agree with punishing fans or not, they're still part of the club and it's still part of the. Um, the revenue that that they're bringing in, you know, um, they're earning revenue from those fans. Yeah. Fans, I'm I'm not going to go around feeling sort of woe is me about the Chelsea supporters. They've seen it all over the last twenty years, and the government have already said that they will basically have a club to support, whether that means they'll have to start at the bottom of League Two and work their way back up again. Who knows? But they'll still have a Chelsea in one way or form. I mean, the government uh, comment that was made about no undue harm being done to Chelsea, that to me, my interpretation is that Chelsea will be okay and they'll find a buyer. Probably means they won't be winning the Premier League or Champions League again anytime soon. But so what? You know, Chelsea fans have had it great for the last 19 years. 21 major trophies under Roman Abramovich, 15 different managers, number of world-class players. It is just the way it goes in football and it is harsh. And as someone who's experienced this, you know, the disarray and the uncertainty around the future of a football club you support, I can relate to the Chelsea fans. But again, it is like I say, it's guilty by association. It's the same reason why the UK government are imposing all of these sanctions on Russia. And yes, it might be unfair on the Russian population, but if that's the the, the route that you know, people need to take in order to make those in power in Russia sit up and take notice. And if it means that there's a bit of an uprising amongst the public against their leader, that is the method that is being taken at the moment. And I know it's hard to draw too many parallels between the two because we're talking about a humanitarian crisis on one side and a, and a bloody football club on the other. You know, oh no, you're not allowed to go and watch a football match. It's nowhere near as horrific as what we're seeing in Ukraine. But I suppose the point I'm making, Marley, is that the Chelsea fans will be suffering here but the reason they are suffering is so it can be made clear just how how much of a problem that is yeah um i think with with the, this whole situation yeah they are they are collateral like we said the other day you know they're they're probably not the ones that you're punishing but yeah like you say you know it's it's guilty by association it's um you know you, you're just part of it that's, that's just how it is you know you can't you can't let the fans have sort of freedom because Roman Abramovich owns 100% of Chelsea football clubs so whatever they buy in the in the uh, online or in the um in the ticket box ticket office or the club shop or the the um the food and drink stands it all goes to him directly or indirectly or it all goes to him so Yes, you know, it, it, it is just a bit tough at the minute, but it's going to last like two months and then something's going to happen one way or the other where Chelsea will either be allowed to be sold or Abramovich's sanctions will be lifted. Maybe if the uh, if there's a way back from this, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't really see that, but something will happen and it'll change and Chelsea will have the club back by next season all back to normal, I would I would think. So, you know, it's not it's not the end it's not the end of the world, is it? Let's let's be honest. There's there's bigger, more important things than not going to uh, going not going to matches when there's you know thousands of people a day losing their lives when in a ridiculous war that should never have been started. Yeah, and I understand uh, both sides of the argument here, and I can understand why Chelsea fans feel like they're being attacked. No one's attacking you, 
No one blames the Chelsea fans for what's happening in Ukraine. It's not the Chelsea fans' fault. But I think that maybe if you put yourself outside of the situation and take stock and look at it from a different perspective, I'd hope that some Chelsea supporters, and there are some out there, will understand exactly why what is happening is happening. Let's talk about the game tonight then, Matt. You mentioned that you know developments off the pitch haven't really affected Chelsea on them. It hasn't been the case. We thought it might be, but it hasn't been. And surely a 2-0 lead over Lille would be enough to see them through to the next stages of the Champions League tonight. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, they'll want to put whatever's going on off the pitch in the back of their minds and just focus solely on the tie tonight. Um, Lille have only lost one out of the last six games and that was against Chelsea in the first leg. So Lille will know that the game is there for them tonight. The first goal in this tie is going to be the most important goal of all because it either kills the tie or it gives Lille a way back into it. Lille are no mugs. They're here on merit. They're here because they deserve to be here. But the way Chelsea are right now, the siege mentality kind of thing that we were talking about previously. And, you know, they've got a squad at the moment that's, you know, pretty much full fitness. Um, everyone's like, in decent form. I can't see any other result tonight other than, than Chelsea going past Lille. It's going to be tough for them. They're going to have to suffer in places. But the way Tuchel's got them set up at the moment and the way the players' mentality is right now, um, Chelsea, yeah, I can see them just going uh, firmly into the, into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Aspili Kuwaita and Alonso could be back for Chelsea tonight. They travel to France to play Lille. They lead 2-0 on aggregate. That game kicks off at 8 o'clock UK time this evening. That's it for the European action and for Chelsea for now. And we're going to focus on the Premier League now. There are two games tonight. Brighton against Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool against Arsenal. Massive game that in the top four and title race. We'll talk about those two games after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show from Sport Social. My name's Niall McCorn. I've got Marley Anderson and Matt Pidd joining me on today's show. And there are two big games tonight in the Premier League for differing reasons. Brighton against Tottenham Hotspur will come on to in a moment's time. Spurs, of course, still in with a shout of the top four. But that top four tilt is very firmly in the hands of Arsenal. They are in pole position, but they have a really difficult test tonight as Liverpool are the visitors to Emirates Stadium. Arsenal are in good form, Marley. Liverpool are in good form. And Manchester City dropped points against Palace earlier this week. So that title race is looking really tasty at the moment. This has become a huge game for a Wednesday night in the Premier League, hasn't it? Yeah, massive. I think this is this is one of the biggest games in the last six or seven weeks. It's probably bigger in terms of quality than the Manchester Derby because there was only one team ever going to win that. Um, you could say maybe you know there's only one team that's going to win tonight, and it's Liverpool in terms of the the strength of the two sides. But but Arsenal are flying, you know. Arsenal are. Um, I mean, they dispatched Leicester. Some of the football against Leicester was was fantastic. Um, the midfield, Odegaard was was superb. Um, everyone, everyone sort of clicked, um, and I thought they were they were great. Um, so yeah, I, I, if I'm going to watch any of the games tonight, I'll, I'll watch that one over Chelsea um, driving the bus to Lille and, and turning them over one or two nil. <laughs> so um, it should be a really good game because Liverpool haven't been at their best in in recent weeks. They've been good and, and good enough to win the games, but not been sort of swashbuckling and and you know. Um, like a knife through butter like they have been for, for much of this season so 
I think the the door might maybe slightly ajar for Arsenal to just you know just stick their foot in it and uh, and and blow this uh, this title race. Well, not not more open, but you know put stick another sort of spanner in the works of of how we think it's going to go. Well, for me, this is the biggest game of the Premier League season so far. Just in terms of the way it's all worked out, Arsenal fourth. They are three games better off than Manchester United, as in they've played three fewer and they're a point better off. They are in fourth. They've got games in hand over their rivals, Tottenham, Wolves, West Ham, and as I say, Manchester United. If they win tonight against Liverpool, that really does put them in the box seat for the top four. But as a Manchester City fan, Matt, your side leading the way, top of the table on 70 points, four points ahead of Liverpool on 66 and played a game more Liverpool will match you in games tonight and they'll go a point behind you if they beat Arsenal this evening. No doubt you'll be rooting for Arsenal, of course, but you'll be watching this one with keen interest as well because it means a lot for the title race. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, Liverpool fans would have been watching the game against Palace on Monday with a keen eye, just like I'll be watching it tonight with a keen eye. Um, The way um, Arsenal are playing right now, though, like Marley was mentioning against Leicester, how good they were. There was, they remind me so much of the way we play and obviously that's the way Arteta has learnt off Pep Guardiola. You see, everything means something when they're playing with the ball. The, the passing always, it's always progressive. It's never like sort of side to side constantly. They're always looking to move forward and the, the players, they work for each other, they press with each other and they've got a lot of energy Arsenal and I just hope that tonight that they can bring that same energy to Liverpool. It's at the Emirates, under the lights, a lot riding on it for both sides. Um, Arsenal, I think, have won nine out of the last 12 at the moment and Liverpool are on eight winning streak so you know it's they're a juggernaut right now we all know the kind of runs that Liverpool can put together when it's most important but I just think tonight Arsenal they're a different beast at the moment Arsenal they gave us a great game on New Year's Day at the Emirates I remember that and we was lucky to come away from there with three points even if they can snatch a point tonight I'd, I'll take that right now I'll, I'll snatch that out of your hands right now um, I can't see it being um, a foregone conclusion in, in any direction I think it'll be a tight game I think it'll be a close game like I said, both both teams both got a lot to play for. Arsenal win, like you said, box seat in the top four. Um, they've got another two games in hand still on United, then being four points above them. Um, Liverpool have got the option, obviously, being a point behind Man City. So in, we've got to play them on the 10th of April, which is probably going to decide the title on that day. That's what I think anyway. Um, I, just want, I just want the Arsenal of... Sunday to turn up against them tonight. I just don't want them to roll over. I just want them to give them a good game, and I can't ask any any more any more from Arsenal tonight. Just give them a good game, and if you can take a point off them, fantastic. But at the end of the day, I've just got to focus on on my club. I, my club has to start putting chances away because against Palace on Monday night we had so many. I think we had eighteen shots, and we missed like three or four sitters. We we need to start being more consistent in that sense. Obviously, we got games against Man United where we put the ball in the net four times. That's that's okay. That's all well and good. But doing it consistently now has to be the key. We have to put teams to bed early on. We all knew it would have been a difficult game against Palace on Monday. We all knew that. A lot of City fans like myself was more nervous about that game than we were about the derby because we knew what was coming. And it happened. We did. We wasted chances. And Liverpool can take advantage of that tonight. But it's all about whether the Arsenal of uh, Sunday against Leicester turns up or not. And uh, Liverpool have to be on their game as well. Yeah, one thread that people do like to pull on Marley when it comes to Arsenal is that they're not particularly strong against the top four sides in the Premier League. And with that, I mean Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City and Manchester United. And Matt's right, Arsenal did give City a good go of it at the start of 2022. But in general, their record under Arteta against the other big clubs in the division hasn't been good. Now, 
that's all well and good. If you're trying to finish fourth, you can just beat the teams that are below you. And Arsenal have done that in the main. But if they are going to re-establish themselves as a real Champions League contender, and maybe beyond that, perhaps fighting for silverware in the next couple of seasons, they're going to need to start winning some of these bigger games, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think that's uh, that's the reason why they are where they are. They're, they're just not good enough against the big sides. And I think that's the next big test for them because they've proved that they can beat you know, most teams in the league this this run they've they've been on has, has proved that. Um and also beating Wolves twice um was, was massive because they were right on the tails and I think they're ahead of them in going into the first game. So um that proves that they're good you know, they're better than the teams below them and they can beat the teams around them. So obviously the next thing is can you beat the teams above you? Um and the teams that are always going to be above Arsenal in the next couple of years is Man City and, and uh and Liverpool, so um, they played well against Man City, he didn't get anything from the game, but still there was plenty of positives to take from the performance. Um, so if they can do similar, but maybe nick something out Liverpool tonight, I think it, it'll it take Arsenal to another level where they can be like, well, next season, if we can carry this form into next season, then can we, can we get um, into that top three with the uncertainty around Chelsea? Can we, can we push into the into the top three and can we get closer to the top two because there is a little bit of a, a a sort of gap between the top two and everyone else so it's it's about teams uh coming up and, and bridging that gap and with the right investment and the right choices in the summer like can Arsenal be that team I think they they they're as well set as anybody else to be honest yeah you're right about that gap second Liverpool 66 points third Chelsea 59 points so that's a seven point gap but Chelsea have only lost three games the same amount as Manchester City this season in the Premier League but yet they are way back 11 points off the top spot and Arsenal 51 so that's a 19 point gap if they are going to be title contenders again I think it's very premature to be talking about that with Arsenal um, but you never know Arteta certainly building something there and he'll be hoping for a result tonight as his side look to cement themselves in the Champions League spots they are currently fourth they are in pole position as we say as for Liverpool if they beat Arsenal they stay right on the coattails of Manchester City massive game in the Premier League tonight no doubt we'll be talking about that one on tomorrow's episode of Football Social Daily so make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it but before we go let's box off Brighton against Spurs Brighton had a really good start to the season Matt they were in and around the European spots for a while but they kind of leveled out now haven't they I think they found their level really in terms of this season in the Premier League they're 13th 33 points the same as Leicester just one back from Crystal Palace and two back from Southampton in 10th it's still Brighton's best season in the Premier League so far but it feels like they're just starting to run out of steam a bit yeah they've lost the last five so that that tells you everything you need to know that they are running out of steam they did have a great start to the season, but we all know that there's, there's teams out there that have done similar things in the past, started off well, and then when it comes to sort of like winter time, that's when the game starts to pile up and a bit of fatigue sets in, and then you sort of like your squad, if you've got a bare bones kind of squad, that's when it starts to um, starts to really affect the results. Look, even though the where they are at the moment in the league, they can get they can they can get into the top ten tonight with a win over Tottenham, and they're at home as well, so that's an advantage for them straight away, um, and. Tottenham, probably one of the most inconsistent sides in the Premier League at the moment. We have absolutely no idea what Tottenham's going to show up tonight. Very Jekyll and Hyde sort of club at the moment. Then with their performances, can go and beat Man City away from home one week and then get smashed, you know, the next week, you know, by Man United. So it's one of these things. Um, it all depends on which Tottenham turns up tonight for me. Brighton, 
under um, Graham Potter. They're very sort of like in with their performances, with their style of play. We know exactly what kind of performance you're going to get from them. And whether it's going to be enough against Tottenham tonight, it all depends on what sort of uh, Tottenham shows up tonight. Yeah, certainly does. And Tottenham obviously are still in the top four race. Arsenal, as we say, are in command at the moment, Marley. If they lose to Brighton tonight, which, as Matt says, because of their inconsistency, is not beyond the realms of possibility, do you think that that does put a cap on their chances of finishing fourth? Yeah, I I probably think so. I think even if, like, even if it's not technically over, I think losing to, to Brighton... Um, who've lost the last five would be like just a, just a huge momentum blow. It'd be similar, not as bad, but similar to the Burnley result when they lost that. You know, the, the, all of a sudden it was doom and gloom, and, and you realised how far Spurs were away from the um, the the company they want to be around in that top four race. So, I mean, Brighton Brighton's a real test because even though Brighton are, have lost the last five. They're still doing what Brighton do in all those games. and They haven't capitulated totally. They're still dominating the ball. They're still playing nice, pretty football. It's just as we know as we know with Brighton, they don't score goals at the end of it. So Spurs will probably give up the majority of possession against Brighton tonight, and they've got to remain like patient and calm, basically, because they're not, probably not going to dominate the ball and create loads of chances and win 3-0. It might be... Uh, you know, thirty-five, forty percent possession against Brighton. It could be that it could be that sort of um, balance. And then you've got to take your chances on the counter attack, which which may suit them. To be fair, but um, with with the way Brighton are defending, you know, Harry Kane and 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 Son and Kulusevski have all got to you know uh, take the chances when they come because Brighton do give you chances. They are they're not that hard to play against on the counter attack. You know, I went up and seen it first time with with Newcastle last week. Um, we were we were great against them um, in terms of counter attacking because we just soaked up the pressure and then waited for the counter attack because we knew it was going to be there. Um, I think Spurs could do something similar tonight and get the win and get out of there with uh, with the three points that will take them back uh, back into sixth. I think it will. So you know, all of a sudden, if if you're sixth and you've still got games in hand on the two teams ahead of you. You know, you're well in that race for for at least fifth. Brighton, Tottenham, seven thirty tonight. Arsenal, Liverpool. That one's an eight fifteen p.m. kickoff. We'll talk about both games, I'm sure, on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. But that is it for today. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Marley. Appreciate your time as ever. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss any future episodes of Football Social Daily. We are the only podcast with a daily Premier League episode. No one else will do that for you. It includes the weekends where we speak to former Premier League professional players. That's always worth catching up on on a Friday night. So hit subscribe as I say and that way you won't miss it but from us that's it we'll speak to you again tomorrow Football's Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Daily